Well, good morning. All right. Hey, I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at GPC. Thank you for being here this morning in person and joining us online on Facebook right now uh, and, of course, later on as well. But especially right now, those who are with us, thank you for joining in and feel free to like or comment. We have a host there who'd be glad to connect with you and connect you with us later on. I'm excited about this morning and, and to, uh, to kind of jump into where we are this morning, I want to tell you that some of you may know this, but um, if you don't know this, my wife will, will confess and tell you that I, um, I get extremely anxious when, uh, when I have to take a trip to the airport, uh, right? And all of a sudden, like, so if some of you know me for a while, you might say he's generally a little more um, even keel or balanced, but not when it comes to going to the airport. I don't know why that is. All of a sudden, I begin to get an elevated heart rate. I begin to get anxious about what could be and what I'm going to forget and everything like that. And, um, and it's just the way it is. It's like, hey, we're going to the airport like Pavlov's dog. When the bell rings, I start salivating, right? That's just, just the way it is. And when things get a little more stressful, like as the event gets bigger, not just a trip to the airport, then my anxiety then goes up in, you know, comparison with that. It's just kind of weird the way it works for me. And maybe, maybe you are like that as well. Maybe not to the airport, but maybe you have some unique things about yourself like that. Well, I want you to imagine for a minute if, or even imagine for me, if all of a sudden I had to make a decision or lead into a space that had not just like family defining uh, moments, like making sure our family gets to the airport on on time and gets on the plane and goes somewhere. But imagine if I were in charge of a nation-defining moment where the decisions that I were to make would impact not just my family or those right around me, but actually the entire benefit of a whole nation. You can imagine that I would want a double, tri triple, quadruple check, probably wouldn't sleep for days at, at a time as I was trying to make sure that everything was just right. Well, this morning I want to take us into a moment of history where a leader has to make a nation-defining decision, basically, and is preparing for a nation-defining moment. And I want to look just for a minute at the life of King David and what he did and who he got around him as he was preparing his troops for battle. And we're going to find that. I'm going to bring you the story up here on the, on the um, screen behind you here, but I'm not going to have you turn in your Bible here because I want to take you right to First Chronicles here and just go through a couple of verses quick, and then we're going to turn the page quickly into, um, into sharing some conversations. If you're just joining us this morning for the first time or you're visiting your guest, number one, really glad to have you. You should know this morning is a little unique. This entire series is a little unique. I am shortening my commentary here significantly, and we're extending conversation with people during this series. This is our last um, message installment in this series where every story matters, believing that God is wiring and shaping us and weaving his story into ours and every story, yours and mine matter as well. And so this morning, as we think about stories, there's a story that is told of King David and his troops and his preparation in First Chronicles. And if you're a king getting troops ready for battle, what we're going to jump into is very, um, very much expected in First Chronicles. In fact, let's look at it this way. Here's, here's what we read. As he's preparing for battle, he begins to get men from Judah carrying shield and spear, 6,800 of them armed for battle. From Simeon, that tribe, warriors ready for battle, 7,100 of them. From the tribe of Levi, 4,600, including Jehoiada, leader of the family of Aaron with 3,700 men. And then Zadok, a brave young warrior with 22 officers from his family. This is real history, real people. He goes on to, to tell us also from Benjamin, Saul's tribe, there's 3,000, most of whom had remained loyal to Saul's house until then. 
And then from Ephraim, brave warriors, famous in their own clans, 20,800 of them from half the tribe of Manasseh, designated by name to come and make David king, 18,000. And it goes on and goes on. And this is what is to be expected when you're amassing troops for battle. In fact, David amassed 300,000 troops for battle for this moment in his life and the moment in the life of the nation of Israel where they would begin to exert power under his leadership. However, there is one verse that is odd, one moment that is quick, it's fleeting. It's a verse that when you read it in this context, number one, not many of us will sit down and read First Chronicles because this alone is hardly motivating, isn't it? <laughs> but when we find ourselves here and then we see the next verse, it is a very intriguing comment that is made. Not only did David gather around him all these mighty men, 300 some thousand, but look at verse 32, the next verse, and here's what it says. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. To say nothing of their ability to fight, that wasn't the issue. What they were known for, these were the people that David said, I'm going to go into battle, but I'm not going to go into battle without people who understand the times and know what we should do. Very intriguing verse. As I reflect on the power of understanding and the impact it has in your leadership, in your business, in your family, in your own life, if we don't understand the times and know what we should do, we can be as well equipped as possible, but our power and energy will go in the wrong place because it won't be directed. When I think about understanding, there's just five brief things I want to say about the power of understanding, and then I want to get out of the way and allow some smart and fun people to come up here to share their story here. When I think about the power of understanding, I want to say just a couple of things. First of all, that understanding acknowledges that there's always more to learn. You may have heard that um, this phrase in our in our um, colloquial in our in our phraseology, uh, older and wiser, right? The older you get, the wiser you get. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not true. Here's what we also don't hear. Not a, not only are you older and wiser, but we can also become older and more distant. The older that I get, even in an organization, but the older I get with age, then the more distant I become from the developing knowledge of the next generation. The older I am in, even in this church or in your organization, then the more distant I become from being able to see it with fresh eyes. The longer I'm in a place, the harder it is to see it. I was talking to a friend this week. He's at a church in the area, and he said, you know, Tim, I just about lost my mind because our church, which is an aging church, they had a, about a 20 or 30 minute meeting around the issue of should we pay $300 to keep our, um, our advertisement in the telephone book? He said, I couldn't even believe we were having a conversation, let alone that it went on this long. And the net decision, the end of the result was absolutely we're going to keep it in the phone book for next year. They have no web presence right now, no social media involvement, anything like that, but they do have, the good news is they do have an ad in the phone book just in case any of you actually get the phone book. With understanding, there's always more to learn, and sometimes we get distant from the developing knowledge of the next generation. It's just the way it works. Secondly, this, with understanding, understanding has to, under, we understand this, that when I understand a new way of thinking, I have to, at the same time, recognize that I'm going to grieve a former way of thinking. In that church, it would have been a loss for that group to say, we're no longer going to put that ad out. When you have your mind changed, especially when you're older, 
The reason it's hard for some of us as we get older to change our way of thinking is we understand, even though we don't verbalize it, learning something new requires grief on the front end. I'm going to have to change and give up and set aside the way that I thought it could work. It would be grief not to have the ad in the phone book because some people would be upset and some who are used to seeing it won't see it anymore. Understanding involves grief. Understanding also requires an intentional pause to listen, which is exactly what we want to do this morning. You don't wake up and I don't wake up just all of a sudden understanding each other better. It requires stops, conversation, listening, and intentionality within our framework. Fourthly this, understanding clearly distinguishes fact from friction. Every generation, every people have had to do the hard work of distinguishing conspiracy theories from truth, deception from truth, whether it was who shot JFK to what actually happened at 9-11 to the conspiracies going around right now. Every generation of people have had to not just gather knowledge, but have understanding that has the ability to cut through the fiction and get to the fact clearly distinguishing fact from fiction because good understanding finally does this, and this is what happened to the men of Issachar, it leads us to informed action. Good understanding leads to informed action, not just bigger brains. It helps us know how we act, how we function, how we engage the next generation. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite four people up to share this stage here with me. And as we do that, these are two high school students and two college students. As you listen to them, I want you to think about some of this framework. What is it here that I can learn if I am older than the people who are up here, which will be most of us in the room, not all of us, but many of us in the virtual room in this room. As I get older, I can become more distant from the developing knowledge of the next generation. It could be that I hear something and I would shake my head internally and say, come on, that's not that big a deal. That's not. And what I'm doing is I don't want to grieve the loss of my own way of thinking. But I have to understand that understanding is going to involve a grief, a loss of what I'm used to. It requires an intentional pause, which is exactly what we're going to do now. Helps me distinguish fact from fiction and gives me a clear path forward to say, this is the action now that I need to take as a parent, as a grandparent, as a boss, as an employer, as an employee. So my hope as you listen to the folks who are going to share and they process some of their stories from 2020 is that we can understand the times and know what to do, that we can pause, that we can, if we need to grieve some of our own ways of thinking about how people should see the world, and we can listen really well in this space to Kyle, to Josh, to Megan, and to Lauren as they come on up. So guys, why don't you come on up to the stage here and join me? I know you cannot wait to get up here. And we're going to talk for a couple minutes about your 2020. There we go. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, I'm going to let you do some introductions first. Could we uh, kind of go down the line here? Hey, Megan. And um, could you just share with us, give us your name, what school you're at, major or area of focus, or what you want to do after graduation? Let's kind of go down the line here. Um, my name is Megan Rogers. I am a sophomore at Lancaster Bible College. Um, I'm studying communication, and I don't know quite what I want to do with it, um, potentially working um, in the nonprofit world or just something in communication. I'm not sure yet. Great. Thank you. My name is <clears throat> excuse me. My name's Kyle Ebersole. I'm a junior at Linville Hill Christian High School. And after graduation, I plan to go to college for business finance. 
Very nice. Thanks, Kyle. All right. Yeah, I'm Joshua Hershey. Um, I'm a junior at Pequot Valley High School, and I plan to go to college afterwards. Not sure what for. But, All right. Yeah. No problem. Can we give you ideas then, Josh? Will that work? Or you, I mean, we could take a poll of the audience. That's awesome. Thanks, Josh. Um, my name is Lauren. I'm at Lancaster Bible College as well. I'm a senior, so I'll be graduating in May. I'm not too sure what I want to do after graduation, but I am majoring in social work, so I do want to work in a nonprofit, maybe with kids. Yeah, no, that's really good. Okay, well, I'm going to keep the attention over here, Lauren, to, to let you kick us off here, if you don't mind. But we've been talking in the series about how 2020 has impacted us as we turn into 2021. So I'm just going to set it up and let you guys tell us, like, what has been your story of 2020? What has been that which has impacted you the most here uh, in 2020? So maybe, Lauren, if you're willing to kick off, that'd be great. Yeah, um, for me, 2020 was a challenging year, and definitely the biggest thing for me was mental health. Um, I, if you know me, I'm not very good at asking for help. I love helping other people, but I'm not always good at helping myself. Um, and I've been dealing with mental health for about two years now, but 2020 has definitely was my breaking point. Um, I have been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Um, so what that kind of looks like, it's kind of like the small things of having trouble getting up in the morning and having trouble getting out of the house and things like random breakdowns or mood swings and not always enjoying the things that I normally would. So there were definitely a lot of factors at play into my depression, anxiety, but things with COVID and isolation and with the division in the world, it definitely took a toll on my mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that, Lauren. I appreciate that. Let me go right down the line here, and we're, well, same question for each of you guys. Tell us about your 2020 and what that story was for you. Yeah, so probably the biggest thing for me um, that affected me in 2020 was, yeah, the lockdown due to COVID. Um, spent a lot of time just sitting at home, had a lot of virtual school that I had to do, um, and it got pretty lonely and boring, just kind of, yeah, by myself. Um, things, yeah, slowed down a lot. Um, and then I also got like all of the division that was going around and still kind of occurs, um, getting really tired of it and sometimes stopped caring and listening to the people around me just because like, yeah, I got tired of the division. Even if I had opinions about it, I kind of tuned it out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, the lockdown definitely affected me more than anything else but not all of it was negative there was the you know lack of social contact and such but I also got a lot of time to golf I like a lot of time to golf is that a blessing or a curse man I mean I'm not that, definitely sure. a blessing okay all right but um maybe for you <laughs> yeah I got to spend a lot of time with my dad out on the golf course and through the lack of social contact, um, my friendships were forced to be creative and grow in different ways, which definitely helped a lot of my friendships. That's really good. Thank you, Kyle. Megan. Um, yeah, so pretty much like everyone else, um, obviously COVID, um, school looked different, soccer looked different. Um, but when I thought about my year, I think that there was something that was much more impactful for me. Um, this summer, my uncle was charged with kidnapping and homicide of an Amish girl. 
And when I look back on my year, I remember my coach calling me that our season was canceled a few days after that happened. And I told her, I said, coach, I do not have, like, she asked me how I felt about it. I said, coach, I don't have space, like, to care about this right now. I said, I don't care that my soccer season was canceled. Um, so that's what I think of when I think of my 2020. Yeah, no, that's a lot. Thanks for sharing that. A lot of stuff in 2020, my goodness, right? Thank you for being willing to share, each of you, for that. Let me ask you a follow-up question to this, okay? Um, you have had the chance to witness people, I'd say, in front of you or in a generation above you um, leading through this or not leading through this. As you look at people who have been in those roles for you, right? Like, there are some who maybe have inspired you. You say, like, when I grew up, I wouldn't mind modeling that kind of behavior. And at the same time, there may have been things or people that you saw, you're like, when I grew up, I wouldn't mind avoiding that kind of behavior. So from your seats where you sat, and you think back to what happened in 2020 and even into 2021, but as you look to the generation of leadership above you, what have you learned that you'd want to emulate and what have you learned that you'd want to avoid? Maybe I'll start with you, go back around this way. Um, I think one of the things that I would like to emulate is just the the grace and the generosity that I saw um, given to me and just to our family. I think that there was grace given to us with no expectation of anything in return, and that that is a powerful, powerful thing. Um, also, just generosity of people, uh, both Amish and English. It was it it was incredible for me to see. Um, so that's something that I would like to emulate. Um, and then something to avoid would just be trying to make sure that I listen before I talk or listen before I make assumptions. Um, I think that that was, I saw this in that situation in politics, just pretty much everywhere in 2020. So I think just making sure that we are listening before we talk. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, the issue that stood out to me to emulate or avoid is really around the acceptance to change. And I really met that in different ways during the lockdown, during virtual schooling, where some of my teachers um, took new and creative ways to teaching that were really quite effective and I enjoyed a lot. And some tried to do the exact same thing that they did in the classroom to Noahville. It did not work well for me or for them. And yeah, it was not a good situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. No, that's great. So just a lack of either willingness or ability to flex out of old norms that we're used to. All right. That's good. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, Josh. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what I would emulate from what I saw, though it might have been rare sometimes, um, is how people responded to like disagreements and division. Um, it stood out to me when people like went past that and found ways to um, still love people that they disagreed with. Like even here, like um, two weeks ago, seeing how people deal with disagreements um, in a healthy way, in a respectful way, um, has really inspired me. Um, one thing that I would want to avoid that I saw um, was yeah, kind of what Megan was saying, like judging. Um, and just speaking a lot without listening. Um. That's really good. Thanks, Josh. 
Great. Um, something that I was inspired of is just the acts of love, um, whether that's through simple acts of kindness, such as reaching out or just listening. Um, I saw that a lot, and I've been impacted by that too. But yeah, kind of echoing the group here, what to avoid, I think, would be being quick to anger of really, just like we said, sitting down and listening to one another and not bring, bringing each other down if there were any disagreements. Thank you, Lauren. Let me stay over on your side of the, the room for a minute, okay? Um, think back to 2020, and um, there's some challenges. You identified that, right? I mean, there's some mental health stuff that you share with us here, some depression, anxiety you're working through. So what were some of the redeeming moments of 2020? As you look back through all the stuff you've had to fight through, and this will be the question across the board for each of you in the stories that you shared, what has kind of, as you look back, it's like this, this has been redemptive in the middle of what, what has been hard? I mean, you know, so what would you say? You know, where have you seen God at work there? Where have you seen some of this redemptive peace turn? Yeah, my redemption story is hope that I found strength through my pain and the journey that I have been going on. Like I said earlier, 2020 was my breaking point. My mental health, it got to a point where my mental health was really affecting me physically. Um, and it got to a point where my physical health was, it was just uncontrollable, shaking or breakdowns. It was just, yeah, kind of out of control and I felt completely hopeless. Um, but then I turned things around and with the help of friends and family, I got the help that I needed, um, which I didn't think I actually needed, but I saw a therapist. I am currently on medication. Um, I have an amazing mentor and a great support system that I've been clinging onto and leaning onto during this time and just have really seen God through all of those people. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I found my hope, my hope that I am going to be okay and that I am going to get through this. Can I follow up for a second with you, Lauren? Um, for those listening who are dealing with similar things, who are dealing, this is just now follow up to you personally, um, who, are, who are walking through some of this mental health stuff and the anxiety and depression, that which is very common, but also not discussed very freely for some people. What, what message might you have for people who are listening, or maybe even for the Lauren of March or January of 2020? As you look back either to yourself or to those who are sitting here, what, what encouragement or whatever might you give to people who are in your, your situation right now? Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing, I mean, this took me a while to figure out, but it's to not be ashamed or embarrassed to say that you have any kind of mental health issue and to be open about talking about it. Um, it doesn't help keeping things in, and that's something that I still need to work on too. But um, yeah, just find people in your life that you trust and to talk about it with them and just to know that it's okay. Yeah. Thanks, Lauren. Appreciate that. All right. Josh, same question for you around redemption. You look back and you talked about some loneliness of 2020 and all that. You didn't get to go golfing like Kyle did, and that might have been good for you. I don't know. But um, talk about some of that redemption as you look back to your 2020. What were some places where you did see some redemption at work in your, your life, your year? Yeah. So my redemption story, my highlight of 2020 um, was my baptism in early August. That was a really big moment for me. And when I came to like realize that even though I wasn't seeing um, a ton of people at that point, um, 
like knowing that there was a large group of people, like my friends, my family, and people I respected that was there to support me um, and encourage me. And then, yeah, right around that time as we were kind of coming out of um, online youth group, which was pretty hard. And then the week after going into in-person school, which was very exciting, um, yeah, right around that time was really encouraging. Yeah, that's really cool. And it was an honor to be a part of that baptism and remember that. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks, Josh. Good. Yeah, Kyle, same question for you, man, with the redemptive piece of 2020. So soon after school started, which was in person at Linville, I was really dealing with some questions about who I am and how God sees me. And just randomly, one morning, I had been pondering over this question for a few weeks now and my friend walked up to me and she said this is going to sound really weird and like bizarre but I feel like I have to tell you today that your identity is in Christ and that you should view yourself as God views you not as how the people around you might look at you and I mean that just blew me away like that was something that really reinforced um my faith and how i see god and how he's working in my life yeah Yeah, that's that's a good word it's really good thanks kyle good all right megan same question for you redemption of 2020 yeah um so one of the things that happened um was that there was a group of a youth group of um, amish young people that came and they wanted to sing um, some songs and stuff for our family. Um, so we did that one night, maybe August or September. Um, at first I wasn't really sure. I was like, oh, like, what's this going to be like? Um, but it was very powerful and very encouraging to me that I, I remember just feeling like helpless of like, I can't, like, I can't give them anything. We can't give them anything, but they're being gracious to our family. Um, I remember talking to you about it that night and that was kind of the night that I we talked about like what like what do you do with this feeling Um, like pretty much there are two options Um, either accepting the grace which is hard um, especially hard for my personality that's the whole thing Um, or rejecting it Um, and that we talked about like rejecting that grace that is given to you is will just lead you to bitterness and it's not like these you can allow people to be a picture of Jesus and be a picture of the grace that he has for us so that was redemptive for me yeah yeah for those who don't know we might be related here um but I do remember that night for sure and that was a big moment here for us um as we talked about that the idea of um you know, one of our family members is charged with kidnapping and then later homicide, and, and the response of the Amish community, instead of to to judge and be angry, is to come and sing us hymns. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, it is overwhelming to sit in that place of receiving grace, um, and that is a redemptive, powerfully redemptive story. So let me stay here with you, Megan. Let me ask this next question. How do you think you'll be different then? And that may tag right into what you were saying there, but how do you think you'll be different in 2020 going forward? How will this, your 2020, your story have impacted your faith, um, your relationship with God, yourself, your, your understanding, your identity, whatever it might be. But 
how do you think you'll be different in 2020 as a result of where you've been? Um, yeah, I think carrying the grace theme over, I think that is that was a huge thing for me, was understanding the grace of God in my life like for the first time. Um, so I think I'm trying to do a better job of giving grace to other people and accepting grace for myself. Um, I think that I've become more in awe of the grace of God. I think that it's more amazing to me that God would give us grace because in those moments, I didn't feel like I deserved grace from other human beings. And so to deserve the grace of a God seemed like so far away. Um, so I think that that has become more amazing to me. And off of that, I think that has led me to see my salvation in a different way of just growing in my humility and understanding that I do not deserve like one single thing on this earth and that my salvation from God is an incredible, incredible gift. I think that mm -hmm. this is like the first time that I have really like genuinely felt like that. Mm, that's really good. Thank you. Kyle, same question for you. What have you learned about yourself, your faith, your relationship with the Lord and, and, and as you look forward? I think the most, one of the most important things I've learned is how important the people around you are and who you surround yourself with. Um, in 2020, I made some of the best friends I've ever made before. And that ability to talk with somebody and just be completely honest with, with each other is invaluable. It's mm. really good. Great. Josh, same question. Yeah, so it's actually quite similar to Kyle. I could agree with everything you said. Um, but kind of counterintuitively, God has used the vacancy of people in parts of 2020 um, to teach me to love people more um, and to, like, yeah, not take time I spend with my friends and people I care about for granted, um, but seeing how I can just put, it, put aside the little things and really care for people and love people well. Um, yeah, God has really taught me to value people more. Yeah, that's really good. Perfect, thank you. Thanks, Josh. Lauren, same thing for you. For me, I've been walking into 2021 stronger, stronger in my faith, stronger in relationships, and stronger um, in myself. Just carrying over that theme, too, of hope, if I didn't find, if I didn't find that hope that I did in 2020, I would not be here today. And I'm still in the valley, but I know that God and other people um, beside me are walking with me through that, and he has given me the strength to um, fight, to ask for help, and to be okay with even proclaiming that, yes, I have mental health, um, and I struggle with that. But just really thankful for 2020, as weird as that sounds too, but I found the strength and the hope that I need to go through anything. Hmm. Well, that's, that's a great message. Let me ask this last question. You got 30 seconds each. You have, you have one last stand here for the, for the church. 30 seconds to share with the congregation, with anyone here, um, your perspective. What message would you want to share with us if you had 30 seconds? Lauren, I'll start with you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, my message is that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. We can choose to, change is going to happen, and we've all been through it. And we can choose to sit in it and mope or be angry um, or just complain. Or we can change our perspective. It's a lot easier said than done, I know. But we can change our perspective and see the change as an opportunity to grow. That's really
really good. Change is, change is inevitable, growth is optional. Yeah, all right, awesome. Thanks, Lauren. Josh? Yeah, my message would be look for the small ways that you can love people. Um, sometimes it's the yeah, small acts of kindness that are unwarranted, don't have any reason for it, um, but those are commonly the most remembered. Mm -hmm. um, I can speak from experience from the past year. Just people, yeah, small acts of kindness really make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Good message. Thanks, Josh. All right, Kyle. My message is that you can't control your life to the T, and really there's, I think that's a good thing. There's a lot of factors that go into every day of your life, much less your five-year plan or some people's 10-year plan. God can see those, and he is in control. So worrying about that is not something that you need to do or that you need to stress about. But leaning on God is what makes up your plan. Yeah, that's really good. Good. Thanks, Kyle. All right, Megan. Um, I would say just realizing that the way that we treat people and the way that we act, even to fellow Christians, can literally change their life. It can change the way that they see Jesus. It can change the way that they see their salvation like it did for me. It can change the way that they see forgiveness, grace, any of it. Um, so I think that just understanding that even the way that we treat other Christians can continually change and challenge and impact their faith. That's really helpful. Guys, thank you very much for sharing up here. Um, first of all, can we say thank you to these folks for sharing with you this morning? I don't know what you heard in this understanding piece. I wrote some notes down as I'm talking to them, and here's what I heard. And, um, you know, I'm hearing a generation that's talking about a desire. One of their points of pain across the board is division, um, people who um, will talk before they listen, people who aren't willing to accept future change, um, and those who have been quick to anger, to, to force divisiveness. That's what I'm picking up on the stories of pain here, the things that have really been negative, things that, that have been hurt. But I'm hearing you talk as well about the power of small acts of kindness, the power of grace, the power of relationships, openness, being able to talk in relationship with one another. That's what I'm hearing as I'm listening to you guys talk, and I, and I hope that number one, that I'm hearing you right, but I, I hope that these things that your generation is saying to us will be things that we can take within our families, within our places of work, and within our faith community to say, okay, let us be careful to be people who act in grace. Let us be careful not to be people who talk before we listen. Let us be careful to do these things, because I think the messaging that you're sending to us is very important and very necessary for us to hear, so I'm grateful to you guys for being a mouthpiece for that for us. So the men of Issachar understood the times, knew what to do. Whew, big stuff, big challenge that lies ahead. So we have a chance after I pray, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And, um, uh, and uh, no, I'm not, I'm sorry. <laughs> the worship team just didn't realize that. It's a mild panic attack. Greg's going to come up and close us out. Sorry, guys. I'm going to pray. And then after that's all done, we're going to go downstairs with these folks um, and have basically an after party. If you'd like to join us down there for a few minutes, you can. Um, there'll be a, a live Q&A. Um, you can ask whatever question you want to to them or make any comment you want to. I'd love to have, love to have you down there if it suits. And virtually, there will be a, a link where you can join us virtually down there as well. Look for that on, on Facebook feed uh, even right now. All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll get down. 
Lord, thanks for our time uh, this morning and for the opportunity to sit with uh, these folks and listen and learn a little bit about the things that have really caused pain in their generation and at least on this stage. Uh, and I pray that you would help us as people of faith, particularly people who call ourselves Christian, that you would help us to exemplify love to this generation, especially in the way that they will feel it. Uh, help us to be slow to anger, quick to listen. I pray that you would help us to hear to pause with intentionality, to understand that our way of doing things might not be the way that the next generation might prefer it to be. Help us to embrace a change, maybe not even because we believe in it in an older generation, but because it's beneficial and valuable and meaningful and loving for the next generation. And so give us openness, I pray, even where we need to grieve things that might need to pass, and give us great ears to listen and hear to those coming right behind us that we can um, extend the kind of love and care that we should extend. So thank you for their courage, for their openness, for their freedom to share with us. Pray you bless them in each of their lives right now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate you all.